This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform, perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back, everyone, to Efficiency On Demand, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. Today, I have a super, super interesting guest for you. We connected back in, uh, I want to say, September. Termed or October 2019, when I've been invited to come into his coaching group and give a session on time management and uh, habits and routines and all this good stuff about saving your time. So I'm very, very grateful that we connect back today and I can have him on the show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for being on here. Hello. Excited to be here. Thank you. So tell everyone who are you and what are you doing? Yeah, so... Uh, as as already said, my name is Michael Chu. I'm the founder of Champion Development. We help entrepreneurs, network marketers, direct sales leaders uh, win in their business, and we help them by winning with their health so they can grow in their wealth and their relationships as well. Most of my career was spent in the direct sales world, the network marketing world, spent 15 years doing that, and then launched Champion Development, our coaching and courses business after that. Wow. I love that. Yeah, it was super great when I got in the call. Like you could feel the energy. Everyone was really pumped. Everyone was really excited. And I love the energy. So tell us a little bit about how you use health to actually accelerate wealth. Sure. Yeah. So a couple of the philosophies, well, for, for starters, I started off growing up as early as three years old training in karate. And so I saw the benefits health had, whether it was in schooling, whether it was my own confidence, the discipline, the, the routines that I had to learn while training karate as early as three years old. I then went on to compete nationally. Uh, I won 10 plus national championships in karate and have now trained other jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and different martial arts as well. So I've always believed that like your energy, your health, your routines directly impact all the other areas of your life. Where I saw it all break down is when I graduated college and I got into business because I'm the like go all in type when I do things. When I graduated college, I just found myself working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I found myself forgetting about the foundation of the things that I knew when it came to managing my mental health, my emotional health, and my physical health. And I found myself stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, even the more money I was making, the more unfulfilled I found myself. So that's kind of like the background of how I got back to my roots and how we use health to multiply wealth is two solid uh, like philosophies or foundations that we buy into. And that is number one, that health is the number one meta habit of peak performers, just from how they have to self-track themselves, the confidence, the energy, all those things. So number one is we believe that it is a meta habit that directly impacts all the other areas uh, of their life. And number two, we believe that your health is energy and all relationships, sales, right? Leading a team is all driven through your energy and your focus. And so that's kind of the foundation of where we start when it comes to how health directly impacts one's business or wealth. I love that. So let's go back a little bit to when you started business and diving into like 60, 70, 80 hours, probably being yeah. pumped by Gary Wee, Craig Cardone, <laughs> or whoever it was. I actually wrote a post yesterday about it, a really long one, because I think like a lot of people do not talk about this. So I wrote a really 
big post about uh, my burnout when I was 24 mm. years old and how crushing it was, not only physically, but also mentally and especially the emotional suffering you go through because it's really hard to burn out. And I mean clinically burn out, not just mm. being exhausted for a week and then you get back up after you were on holidays. But I mean like clinically burned out when you literally cannot move. You literally don't even have a clear thought. You don't even know who you are, where you are. You wake up and you don't even know what the fuck is going on. It's like yeah, that absolutely. bad. And I had it for, I, do, <laughs> I don't even want to admit it. It's like way too long because the problem is like, by that time I was still pushing through. I was not taking time off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt like I couldn't. So Talk to me about that. Like, first of all, did you experience burnout? And and I think the other thing is like, when you say like you immediately felt or the time you felt then that your health was having a setback, also, how did it impact really like your mental health and your emotional health and your energy? Because I think people only see energy as like how they feel, as mm -hmm. in like, do I feel literally like awake? Do I feel energized or am I tired but they sure. don't understand how it's also our wipe that we give yeah. out to other people right so talk to yeah. me about that so I'll, I'll talk about first the the like you talked about you got to the point where you're clinically burnt out and mm -hmm. there were a couple key moments for me and again I always relate to the fact that I was starting to make more money but my fulfillment was in the dumps and some yeah. of those moments were one was a physical breakdown One of my assistant managers walked into my office and he saw me on the floor, literally like unbuttoning my suit, shirt, and tie. And my body broke out in hives from head to toe, from malnourishment, exhaustion, and stress. Yeah. And so just having moments like that happen. And then secondly, I remember I was driving home one day and to get to my house at the time, you had to cross over like a four lane highway. And I was physically and like mentally so exhausted. I could have sworn the light was green and I went to go cross, but it, my light was red. And I found myself stopped in the middle of a four lane highway as other cars were coming. And so it was some of those moments that I realized, is this all worth it? Mm. What am I like? What kind of life am I creating for myself to make X number of dollars at, at that type of sacrifice and at that type of cost? Yeah. And so I went through a journey where I thought, like the hustle and grind world you were talking about, whether it's Grant or Gary Vee, like that's the only way to make more. And the reframing I did for myself was when I invest in my health, I invest in my business directly. Or when I am taking care of myself to be my best, I show up for my business as my best. And you talked about the energy. And so the, the, the part that I think shifts for people energetically is when they find themselves going, I got to stay at my office. Do I really have time to go to the gym? Or I'm so busy right now, I can't even focus on my nutrition. The energy that they're operating from, I believe at least, is one of scarcity, right? Yeah. Like it's either, it's I have to choose either or. And so at the fundamental like cornerstone of when we talk about energy in our business and in our, and like in our programs is the simple shift that when you choose to focus on health and wealth, you open up an energy of abundance instead. And, and the phrase we use is you're living and operating from the world of and versus or, right? I can win with my health and my wealth. And then it triggers a whole bunch of questions from there. Like who would I have to be? What systems would I have to create in my business? What would I have to learn? But the simple energy shift of and versus or starts to trickle into all the other areas. And that's what I started to see in my very first business when I got back to going to karate my leadership system started to grow. My business multiplied. I was working less and I was happier, but it took me going through some of those low moments to realize that that's the life I wanted. Because before that, I thought it was just work as many hours as possible because that's how you make more money. Yeah, I love that so much. I do the same thing with my clients to open this perspective of you can have the one and the other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, so important to make this clear because I still see all these entrepreneurs, like even, even the ones who are already at the point where you can see they're kind of successful or maybe, maybe they pretend to be, who knows, you know, you never sure, know. Sure. It's the online world after all, yeah, but you never know. 
yeah, exactly right. But they're at the point where where they're at least like being very at a level that they know what they're talking about. They have mm. their clients, whatever, right? But they still think that 16 to 18 hours working a day is what you got to do to get to the point. And I'm like, no, my friend, that's not how it needs to be. It can work, but it will catch up on you. And like you either, and this is one thing that I really, really love. There is a phrase, I might get it wrong now, but um, it's you either invest into your health today or you pay for your illnesses later. Yeah. Another way we've heard it said in our community is a man with his health has thousands of dreams. Mm. And without his health only has one dream. Wow. I love this. This is, oh God. Uh, I got yeah. shivers. Uh, it resonates also. So, right. And it's also, it's uh, like, oh, it resonates so hard because I was struggling with my health before I even yeah. got to work, right? Like I was born with chronic illnesses and like basically all my life I've just been struggling so hard and all I wanted was like just one day without pain. Every yeah. day I was like, I just want one day to experience as a normal person. Mm. Like I cannot tell you, I think it was like the first day ever that I had without pain Wow, I think I was like 28. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. crazy. And people can't yeah. even imagine. They're like, so how did you live your life? I'm like, exactly, right? And now imagine what what fucking achievements I got already done, you know, like yeah. being to 44 countries, like climbing mountains that are like I don't know in feet, but it's like 5,200 meters. So I think it's like mm -hmm. 15,000 feet more or less. Sure, um, sure. So climbing mountains was like, was this excruciating pain? Like could have killed mm -hmm. me because I need more, a little bit more oxygen for my brain than other people. But I just went for it because, uh, okay. So I could yeah, ramble no. about this all day long. So going back to this whole energy thing and to, to you know, making this shift for people, I think if they're still stuck in this hustle and crying and they just can't see they were out or they, they just can't understand it, how all this wealth will not fulfill them if they don't have their health and their yeah. energy. How yeah. do you approach that with them? Well, I think sometimes, and I was that person, I think sometimes like high achievers, entrepreneurs, business people, they think when it's like, hey, focus on your life and your health and your relationships, I do believe that the immediate thought is you're asking me to make less money. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're asking, yeah, you're, you're trying to challenge me to do something. And that's where they start comparing the two. Like, do I really care about losing 20 pounds or do I care about making 20 more grand this year? Right. So I think the first thing is to make sure that people realize that I'm trying to show them that they can have both. But what mm -hmm. the hell you asked that your question was, how do I approach that with people? For me, at least personally, I don't try and convince people of one or the other. Like they have to be open to the conversation mm -hmm. because I do find sometimes if you're, if they're stuck in the or world, we just get stuck arguing and debating like, well, you can have both. So I don't knock people that make a ton of money that work those types of hours. But what I do try and present to them is to just consider what if you could make the same amount of money, but work less, or what if you could make the same amount of money and be in great shape. And then what's just the possibility? Like, just consider it for a second. What if you could work less, be in great shape, and you made more money? And just to get them to think about that, then it hopefully it opens up some doors for conversation. But how I approach it at first is if the person's not open to the conversation, I do feel your butting head sometimes of like two very different schools of thought, like Republicans versus Democrats. And they're like, nah, I, I don't, I, they, they, they're convinced. Like, I don't have time to go to the gym. Like, I just, I just can't. And right. that type of person. Right. I can't get very far away. Yeah, it's, you know, it's super interesting because I totally understand people who feel the resistance of going to the gym. I'm, you will never, ever, ever, ever see me at the gym. And there are just so many reasons. And I, I'm going to take one that maybe a lot of women can resonate with. I just feel like I'm being stared at so hardly. Sure. That I just feel so uncomfortable. And it might be a wrong perception. It might be like maybe 
maybe people think like, wow, she's really like self-centered thinking that everyone is staring at her. But it's like, it's a, it's also a lot of experiences have shown me that this happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So being catcalled and harassed and whatever. So all the time. So, but this is a thing that has just like showed me, like, I just don't feel comfortable going there, mm. but then you just can't stop right there, right? So I always tell people, and with you probably with karate, going back to karate, when you start a business and you've gone through all of these struggles, I always tell people like, there must be something that if you go and do it, you enjoy it, right? So for me, it's ballet. And if I don't want to go to a place where people can watch me do ballet, well, I buy a freaking home course and I do it by myself, right? I've been in ballet for 12 years. I know how to do it. It's just that I need some guidance along the way. So we have all this online world. Why not use it, right? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of times we just are in our own ways. And then as you said, we just need to open the doors for other people, right? Well, if I could speak to that briefly, a couple things in how we approach things with our clients that I think is very unique to the health and fitness world. Because I almost don't consider myself in the health and fitness space. Mm. Even though on the outside, it might look like we have a weight loss program or something like that. I really do consider myself almost more in the business space or the peak performance coaching world than I actually am in the health world. Because I don't show up with a cookie cutter like you got to go to the gym or you got to do this. To give you an idea, we ask every single of our every single one of our clients these three questions when designing a program with them. Because if not, we're wasting our time. And those three questions are number one, could you see yourself doing whatever strategy it is we give you? Could we could you see yourself doing it for years? Right. If the answer to that's no, don't even do X, Y, and Z strategy. Number two, right, does X, Y, and Z strategy fit into your lifestyle? To the point where you could do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Like if you travel a lot, a lot of clients are like, well, then I couldn't do this restrictive diet because when I start traveling, there's no way I can follow that. But the third question we ask people is, do you enjoy the strategy? Do you have yeah. fun doing it? Because mm-hmm. if you're just going to the gym because you think that's the only way to get in shape, that's not, that's not the answer. You could go do ballet. You could do karate. You could run, walk, swim, Right. We have a client who's down 25 pounds, just had his best income year ever in 2019. And because of a back injury, he can't even go to the gym. But the way he's focused on taking care of his energy and his body has directly impacted how he shows up in his work. Yeah. And so I totally get what you're saying where it's like going to the gym. I love that. I love that. And you know, I think sometimes it's super hard for people to just get out of this of this typical societal framework of what you have to do because then we do have these fitness coaches online who tell you only real people go to the gym and lift weights <laughs> and sure. i'm like <clears throat> fuck you um <laughs> yeah i'm a real person too i'm not gonna lift weights also because obese. i have a, yeah. right and i have a spine injury too like if i lift yeah. weights i'm just gonna crawl out of the gym so yeah. they, they just i think all of these boxes that we create again, you know, like keto is not the real diet. You, yeah. But then other people say like keto is the real diet. I'm like, I eat whatever the heck I want because this is what makes me happy. Very and good, yeah. if it's three donuts a day, then I don't eat donuts for two weeks because I know they're not good. But one day yeah. I need them, you know, like it's, it's, why are we going to give rules for everything in life when actually the only rule should be like, follow your heart? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the journey of like getting in shape, part of what I love about health being at the forefront of whatever you want to achieve, whether it's business success, whether it's getting into a great relationship, whether it's being building the largest charity in the world, part of why I love the fact that health is important to be at the forefront of all of that is because of the journey one has to go through to be their best each day and each week. And I'll give you an example how, in my opinion, physical health still goes to the internal like health and the mental health. We believe that self-sabotage, why most people don't hit the goals they actually want, is because they think they want something and they have mm-hmm. either past wounds, internal beliefs, or limiting stories that are in direct conflict to that very thing that they want. 
And so you were talking about like not going to the gym as a female. We have a client who was making some good progress with her health, like inch loss and weight loss and all those things. But she had not stepped foot in the gym for the first two months in our program. And in a coaching call, we were talking about the mindset side of everything that goes into it. It was really funny to hear a past story come up where she basically said, not basically, she said, well, part of why I don't go to the gym is because I've always thought like people who go to the gym and athletes are kind of like the douchey people. (laughs) And which was, I thought, fine for her to say whether I agree or not, but more importantly for her, the deeper work that was that led to is why over the last five to 10 years, every time she got into decent shape, she self-sabotaged it and got heavier than she had ever been before. Then she would try something new, lose some weight, run a marathon, and then get heavier than ever she got before. Because every time she got close to identifying with a healthy, fit person, that self-sabotaging identity of healthy, fit people are douchey, would actually get in her way and she would self-sabotage all the results. Wow. Well, we did, we did some work around that. And guess what? She's at a health, she's at a weight that she has, hasn't been at since high school. And on top of that, she just got a gym membership because she realized that story no longer is true for her. I love that. Yeah. So let's go a little bit deeper into self-sabotage. What do you think is, I mean, there are so many ways of sabotaging yourself, right? But, and they are all coming from our belief systems and patterns and, and kind of um, experiences we had, but can you kind of pinpoint the top three self-sabotaging behaviors that come with our health habits? With health habits. I don't know if there are top three, but I can give you a couple examples that I see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they might turn into the top three. I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> but um, the, the ones I see a lot with the types of people we work with is number one, limiting belief about w- working hard, right? A lot of us yeah. grew up poor or middle class, right? And so a lot of us grew up hearing things like you got to work hard for what you got. You got to earn right? What you have. And so money doesn't grow on trees. (laughs) Money doesn't grow on trees. You got to go out and earn it. Right. And so that limiting story gets in the way a lot of times because they now become scared to take time away from work, especially entrepreneurs and business owners. And that's the first one I see is this Mm. like limiting belief around how you have to work a business. And if you take time away from it, you're going to make less money. Yeah. And so people have these flashes of motivation to like lose weight or get in better shape, but that motivation dies off and they settle back into their old beliefs and routines and their business be like their business trumps all of those goals. Hmm. The second one that I see a lot is a lot of us have what I call poor mentality around food too, because a lot of us grew up either poor or middle class. And so we grew up hearing phrases like what? Don't waste food, right? Finish everything on your plate. Um, don't, there, there's, there's poor kids in China that right, would, would kill for that food, like whatever, right? You hear these types of things around yeah. food. So the number of clients that I've seen that have made progress and then can't seem to get over the hump until we address the poor or wealthy mindset around food is really interesting. So I had a client top-notch sales manager, kick ass in his business. And he just came to, he seemed to keep struggling to get over the hump. Hmm. He told me a story about how he remembers digging through his sofa to find money to go get his next meal growing up. And so he relates food is money. So if there's food at a buffet, he wants to go get as much money as possible. He wants to go get his money's worth. Or if there's food out for free at a hotel lobby or on a plane, or at a business meeting, and there's just trays of food around. Even if he's not hungry, he'll go eat it, because again, he relates food is money. I don't know when my next meal is going to come. I don't know where the money for my next meal is going to come. We resolve that lack of identity around food. He lost 20 pounds over the next seven weeks. He just texted me today. It was the first time I was in a tropical destination at a beach, 
confident and excited to take my shirt off. Crazy. It's so crazy what these belief patterns can do to us. And I totally get it. Like I had to work in the beginning of my business through so many because like I do come from a, I mean, oh yeah, I do come from a pretty poor background in, uh, I mean, East Germany. And like literally you were always told like, we don't have anything. There is nothing for us. You have to work hard. Like that's why my favorite is like money doesn't grow on trees because yeah, the last yeah. time <laughs> when I visited like my parents and we were talking about like the business and whatever, and they would literally say like, ah, oh, we're going to work harder and money doesn't grow on trees. I literally took a bunch of money and stick it to trees. And I was like, who <laughs> the fuck says that? You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. stop with, I literally had to make them stop saying things like that and just make them being aware of what it does as well. So they wouldn't say things around me anymore. That is like making me fall back into believing that, Money does grow on trees. So ever since yeah. I just come and like put hang money in trees. Yeah. Because yeah. but it's like it's a crazy thing because I mean they did grow up very, very different different yeah. and difficult, right? In East Germany, behind the wall, all these kind of things. There was literally nothing. And this just definitely ripples down into yeah. what we believe and how we how we grew up, right? And I've seen my my parents and also my grandparents struggling a lot and it definitely leaves scars no matter yeah. if we want it or not, right? So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the third one that I see, I mean the, the third is technically the like I don't identify as an athlete type of one, or I don't identify as a healthy person, like that that girl I was telling you about, she related to like athletes are douchey or I'm not an athlete because she said she yeah. said I grew up in the chorus I grew up doing band so she didn't identify with that but I already talked about that one so the last one I see is I think there's a relationship to being fit equals miserable right like so losing weight is going to have to be miserable it's going to have to require a lot of discipline and willpower and I'm just not ready for all that mm-hmm. and I think that story around getting into shape stops a lot of people And I think of a client that we have as well, Amber, she hadn't worn a bikini in her 20s in over a decade. And when we started working with her, the main story she had was losing weight to miserable. She literally was like, can I start in a couple of weeks? I'm about to go on a camping trip and it's Cinco de Mayo weekend. And I was like, no, I'm going to show you how you can enjoy all those things. Right. And so she drank tequila. She ate tacos. She had Girl Scout cookies. She went on a camping trip and ate all this fried food, and she's today down 30 pounds over almost a year and a half, two years, and she now realizes that getting into shape doesn't have to be this thing that's miserable. Yeah. But I do think a lot of people identify with fitness and losing weight as something that will, will have to be hard, and yeah. it doesn't have to be And I think it also comes, again, from what we are shown in this world, right? When I look around social media, media, Netflix, you know, I mean, what do we see there? We see the Game Changer documentary. We see like all of these people out there, the ones who are very fit, usually talk about, again, you know, this is what you have to do. This is how hard it is. You will never be able to do it if you don't do ABC. You're just a fat, miserable person. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah. just fucking ugly if you don't. And I'm like, yeah. can we, in my honest opinion, right now, I'm just really fucking pissed off with all those people who shame and blame everyone only so they get some clients or they get some attention or they get a, yeah. this call out culture is just like, I'm so over it. Mm-hmm. I'm so much more into empowerment and like yeah. giving people yeah. the tools. And like, we all know that pain is the thing that definitely gets us to change, but people are already in so much pain. We don't need to dig into it and make it not a little bit more painful for them. They are sure. in pain. We are all in pain. Like, I promise you, I don't know a single person who doesn't experience any type of pain right now, right? So why don't we just take them by our hands and empower them that they can do it? And I'm not 
not talking about like this fake inspirational motivation, Tony Robbins kind of, like, wow. yeah. mm -hmm. but like show them how to do it. Like show them how they can get there. And as you just say, you know, give them the hope that it doesn't have to be even more painful. Yeah. One of the things I believe is that people should just own in their heart what they believe they truly want in that in a certain area. So because we're talking about health here today though, like the number of people I talk to that almost feel embarrassed to be like, yeah, you know, I think I want a bigger butt or a six pack. And I'm like, if that's what you truly want, own it. Yeah. And I will but if the, if you're just saying that because you think that's what makes you more attractive and really you just want more energy and you want to feel more confident about yourself, then own that too. <laughs> right? But it is yeah. interesting how you see people like almost disempowered about the very things they want to the point where they feel like they can't even own it. Like they're embarrassed to say, I want a flatter tummy or something yeah. like that because they're viewed as vain or someone will think they're douchey or whatever. Right. And so I agree. I think we should empower people to own in their heart what they truly want. Yeah. And it's also okay to not want anything big like you don't need to want a super six-pack this mm -hmm. che lo but although it's a good <laughs> one but it's you don't need to want that it's also okay to have an absolute fantastic and quote unquote normal body whatever normal sure. is and to be just 100% in love with yourself and with mm. your body without mm. having to look like Chelo, without having to look like this fit Instagram influencer from oh. from Florida or Miami Beach or whatever, wherever you or, all hang out. Wherever they all. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. you don't have to look like the rock if you're a guy. Like you can be without muscles, just very thin and tall because that's a lot of men out there too mm -hmm. and be super you can be an absolute fantastic man if you own it and i think that's yeah. the thing right why don't we just teach people to be super confident in who they are and how they are born instead of having to change all change of the things everything. you know yeah and i think there is a huge problem in the health industry that points a lot to that and one of the reasons i struggled when i started working for so long, even though I had grown up with health, is because when I tried to go learn how to like get into better shape while being a busy person, I wasn't training seven days a week anymore, two times a day like I was when I was competing nationally, is I think it's really important to model the success of the person you want to be like. And so many of us go to these fitness experts that are bodybuilders, But maybe we don't even really want to look like that person. But because they're the epitome of health, we think that's who we have to learn from. Mm -hmm. And that would be like, oh, well, my friend is really rich and he's a doctor. So I guess he's the person I should learn how to make money from when I have no interest in getting into medicine. And that's where a lot of people find themselves stuck, I think, in the health world is there's a way to have the energy, the physique, the body that you want without having to learn from the extreme bodybuilder saying, eat six small meals a day, work out six times a week. I think it's important to model the success of the person that you want to look like, be like, live a life like, whatever it is. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. And I love that so much. So what, what do you think was your biggest struggle to change because I've I've done this change from you know being nationally competing in different areas and being like a professional ballerina and then going to completely zero. I never had weight problems, but that's more to my chronic illnesses. A lot of people they usually say, "Oh, you're so lucky, you know, you're so slim, you have good genes." I'm like, "No, I just vomit more food than you can eat." You know, <laughs> this is sure. the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is the behind the scenes, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they can never imagine that the way I look like is not because I do so much work on it. It's because yeah. I literally try to keep my food inside. <laughs> and so, it's really interesting how people perceive all of these things, right? So. Mm -hmm. Because I don't look really sick, that's a lot of work though, uh, and they don't imagine I do have like gut issues, for example, or this chronic inflammation and all of these things that got me to the point of how I look now as yeah. in the body shape. Yeah. 
So what did you struggle the most to go from like, as you said, training seven days a week, stopping and then get into business and then having to find your own way of like what actually works for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one was my own ego, right? Like I know how to be healthy. I've been a freaking this. I've been a freak. So I was stuck to those identities. I was, I was hanging on to those labels. And I think when, at least for myself, when I operated from that place, it's hard to even open up to learn from other people because here I am, like, I know how to do all that. So that was the first thing, kind of getting over my own ego that I didn't need help, that there wasn't other things I could learn. The second was when I finally confronted, like, all right, I want to figure something else out. I want to get back into a little bit better shape. I want to get my energy back to where I want it to be. But as a business owner, I don't want to do it six, seven days a week. My second struggle was I then did what everybody else does. I tried diets. I left Tony Robbins UPW. And I, I love Tony. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of his. But I left that conference and I went vegan for almost two years. And again, this isn't a knock on vegan, but vegan wasn't the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Then I tried pescatarian. and I tr- So I tried all the little like categorical fad or title diets. And even if they can get you results to some point, I think that's why I formulated those three questions that people should ask themselves. Could I see myself doing it forever? Does it fit my actual lifestyle? And do I enjoy doing it? And when I realized those three things, I went on a journey to learn how to create the body I wanted as long as they fell under those three questions. And if it didn't hit those three checkpoints, I didn't want to try it. And that's what finally led me to understanding that I can work out two to three days a week. I can work out zero times if I, if I want to. I don't have to be on a diet. I can eat pizza and ice cream you know, and, fried, and chicken wings and all the foods that I love on a weekly basis and still create the body I want. But I had to go through that journey of one, getting over it. I thought I knew it all. Then I tried all the things and realized that those didn't work. And I think that's what led to kind of where I am today. Yeah, I love that so much. Every time someone tells me, especially also with these gut issues, you have to leave out this food. You have to leave out this food. I'm like, I will never, ever <laughs> go without carbs. Don't yeah. even try. Uh-huh. And obviously it's like, I'm not overdoing it with carbs um, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, there are days I'm living literally off potatoes. I, I joke that I grew up Asian in New Jersey. <laughs> and if you're going to ask me to give up pizza, bagels, noodles, rice, like I'm a Chinese guy who grew up in New Jersey. And so if you think I'm giving up carbs just to get into shape, you're freaking, you're, you're out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really funny that I think the potatoes is very German um, as yeah. well. We eat potatoes with everything. Mm-hmm. And my favorite food is potatoes and sour cream. Nice. Um, we we have like we call it differently because we do the sour cream not as you know it in the U.S. We do it as yeah. a it's called quack, okay. quack. quack, and it's like a it's in between yogurt and sour cream. Okay, yeah, it's more fermented and whatever. Anyways, but it's like it's way better than sour cream, nice. and we do it like with salt and pepper, spring onions. Ugh. Sounds Anyways. Awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And so <laughs> it's actually funny because it's like a poor people kind of food in East Germany or has been. And I still love it so much. I always, like my parents made it for me when I was sick. So I got to I, eat it a lot. Love it. Is that, do you think that's the same type of sour cream they might use in Scotland? And I asked because I remember being in Scotland and they had like baked potato bars. Yeah. That's all, that's all they serve, baked potatoes. And you got to fill it with your own toppings. Yeah. At first, I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I tried them and I was like, oh my gosh, these things are amazing. (laughs) You thought it's weird to have a baked potato bar? As as the only thing that they were selling. (laughs) Like nothing else, not a a chicken breast or a steak, just potato. I thought it was a little weird at first. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it depends. If that was a kumpir bar, then it's the Turkish version, and it's, okay. the sour cream is different from the ones we have in Germany. But okay. I love kumpir, like a Turkish version of the baked potatoes as well. And that's what you get, right? You get a huge bowl, like it's the potato. Then they mix uh-huh. in like butter and cheese, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you fill it out with like the sour cream and all of the salad uh, ingredients. It was so and good. so, yeah, and it's called kumpir, and it's like the Turkish version. It's amazing. And we have a lot of that in Germany too. 
we have a lot of Turkish people and I love them and I love their food. And I'm yeah. so grateful for them to be in Germany <laughs> to bring their food and everything. But you no, we crave a baked potato right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know I have some in the fridge. I will do that yeah. for lunch today. But anyway, so <laughs> now I talked about all of these potatoes. I didn't even know where we left uh, the struggles. So before we uh, wrap all up, um, tell me one thing where you where you think it was the hardest thing for you to go through in your health and business journey. As in, it doesn't have to be like the the changes or whatever, but what was so far the, for you, what you think the hardest thing you had to do in business and your journey so far? So I was making what most would consider pretty good money in my 20s, like my mid-20s to late 20s. And I made a decision to move roles and go chase what I thought was going to be a bigger opportunity. And I thought I was going to make double, triple the money and have a better lifestyle and all these things. And my income literally over the next 12 months got cut by about 90%. And less than about the income loss, it was the ego hit and what it did to my confidence that I thought I've succeeded over here. I'm definitely going to go succeed over here. And for about a year and a half, I just could not figure it out. And I also am the type to not really quit either. So I wouldn't quit, but I also couldn't figure it out. I remember crying on my bathroom floor on a Tuesday at my house, crippled, like unwilling to go to, to my office because I was like, what's the point? I felt like I had tried everything. On top of that, I had hurt some past relationships by making that decision. So now I feel like I've, I, was, I was dealing with like guilt of the decision I made. I was dealing with a lack of confidence because I couldn't figure it out. And I felt hopeless. And I'd say that was one of the lowest moments uh, I've ever experienced in business. And at the same time, like you hear in most success stories, it was also where I grew and learned and discovered the most. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's led to the business we have today. I ended up finding success afterwards as well. And so it just reminded me that no matter how low things can go, I will figure it out. And so it actually doubled my confidence in my in my abilities by being able to figure that out but man that was a low point yeah uh, getting used to one income and one level of success here and completely going like ten, like they could like rock bottom to the other to the other direction and yeah not just for a week and not for just a month but a year and a half and it, it really shook me yeah. yeah that definitely sounds like a very hard lesson to take And I feel you on that. Went there too. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, but it, it definitely, once you're out of that slump, yeah. you definitely appreciate what you have gone through if you, yeah. if you made it. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody thinks success will just be like one linear line all, up all the time. Or they kind of expect little bumps in the road. I was never expecting like a straight shot down as far as a bump. But uh You'll learn that's, a lot from that. Okay, let's dive in there very quickly because yeah. it's, I think that's really, really interesting that you say that because, and maybe also because my life always has been just a freaking roller coaster of sure. highs, but then it went way lower than you would want to go. And it was like, sometimes it felt like it would never stop going low. Mm. But then it, it, the next time it went a little bit higher and then it crashed low again. But mm. so I expected business and entrepreneurship to be that way too. So mm. for me, that didn't came as a surprise. And in the end, for me, it was literally just that when it came, it was like, all right, here we go. Okay. So what are we going to do about this? And it was literally just annoying to me. It wasn't surprising. It wasn't anything, but it was just frustrating and annoying to me that yeah. now is the point where it goes low. And I was just hoping that the roller coaster not go that far down. Mm -hmm. so talk to me about why you didn't expect entrepreneurship to be or business to be a roller coaster like that. Yeah, well, I think I prepared for challenges. Don't get me wrong. Like I was expecting a little bit of like bumpiness and roller coaster, but I didn't expect the straight drop down. And I think it's, 
I just, I did it. <laughs> I don't know if I can identify why I didn't expect it to have ups and downs. I think it's just that my expectations is I will continue to succeed. I think that's where it came from. Like even in karate, I could lose a match, but I expected myself to go win the next tournament. So it's never like I won a tournament and then I just lost a hundred matches in a row. So I don't know the why, but I do believe this. And it might not be the exact question you're, you're asking, but I think it speaks to it. And I think that's, does it have to take as such of it? Does it have to take such a deep dive for as long as it does? And for me, that's the question I, I really asked myself after coming out of that year and a half. And at least for me, what I, what I learned from my own personal journey is the, I don't believe it, it, it has to be such deep, deep dives anymore. And I do believe our beliefs lead to our expectations. So if you believe it's going to be up and down, it'll continue to do that. But I believe if three things are in place, it doesn't have to be that. And that's number one is support. And I'm the type of person when things are getting really hard, I cry on my bathroom floor and talk to nobody. Whereas if I was willing to open up vulnerably to whether it was friends and family or a coach or it doesn't matter who, if I was willing to receive support, I don't think it had to have been so low for as long. The second thing I think that a lot of people have to look at is what do they bump up against? What's that ceiling they bump up against that leads to uncomfortableness that causes them to self-sabotage and go the other direction? Whether it's like they don't actually believe they're deserving of 500 grand in income or they believe like they're going to lose their dad's love because their dad if they, if they start making more than their dad, their dad's always been the type of person to like make fun of rich people. If they have this like internal belief that that's going to happen, the highs are going to become lows as well. And so I think that's the second good thing to look at is like, what, what's, what's happening at that ceiling? And, and the third thing was like a clear strategy. When I was at that really low point, I was just throwing shit at the wall opening it stuck. And I didn't, re I thought I had strategies, don't get me wrong, but my strategy was just work my ass off. And I didn't have a modeled roadmap of success. So to answer your initial question, I don't know why I didn't believe it was going to be a massive dip, but I can say that if you have the dips, I believe if those three things are in place, it doesn't have to be as low for as long if you're willing to look at those three things. Yeah. And I love that. And what you said is completely right. Like the, the last big dip I had in business literally made me being like, okay, this is going to be the last time I will drive the roller coaster. I'm just gonna give the ticket back and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I went really, really deep into back into inner work basically, mm. which I've mm. done for over 10 years, but it's like mm. such a journey. And now, as you say, it's more like this little ripple waves that will life always be like, but it's not these huge roller coasters anymore. And it's refreshing to yeah, say the did, least. Why did you believe, I know we have to wrap up in a, short, a second, yeah. but why did you believe that entrepreneurship had to be high highs and low lows? Why did you believe that? Because my life has always been this way. I've been mm. born with a chronic illness that took me three and a half years to really fight. So the first three and a half years of my life was fighting for my life. My parents had to go to hospital every single day. And yeah. I, I literally had to fight as a baby already to survive. Got and it. so in my mind, I think it was just a complete imprint that life was a fight and I had to conquer challenges. And it, don't get me wrong. It served me really well for quite a while, sure. but it, it, it became just self-sabotaging thing by the time I got into business, for sure. Interesting. And so, yeah, and the first step was definitely me self-sabotaging. And mm -hmm. so I had to look at it and be like, ah, ha, ha, okay, here we go. <laughs> so where are you getting this from? Why are yeah. you doing this to yourself? And why yeah. is it not so much fun anymore? So, but there's been a lot of, a lot of things in my life that happened uh, for me and if I didn't have this fighting and conquering mindset, I wouldn't have got through it. Like 100%, it saved my life a lot of times. Yeah. Interesting. Two more questions. And I know oh. you've got to run very soon. Okay. So 
One question is, and I think you kind of got through it already, but I want to know, and I ask this all of my guests. So if you had to um, start all over again, or you just got someone pulls the plug and plugs it in and it's like a reset for you, what are the top three things that you will definitely do all over again to get back to where you are today? I would do all over again to get back to where I am today. Yeah. So number one, learn the skill of sales. Right? My, my very first like real job when I was a sophomore in college was a direct sales role, going into customers' homes, selling a product. And even though I was a shy kid at the time, my only job before that had been selling breadsticks at Pizza Hut. <laughs> so like the skill of sales has served me in every business venture I've done, whether it's been online, in person, it doesn't matter. The ability to sell and sell yourself and sell yourself ethically with the right skills is a business skill that every entrepreneur at some point will have to learn if they really want to succeed Yeah. either way. So that's the, that's the first one I would definitely do all over. Number two is committing to learning personal growth and leadership. Whether for me, it was John Maxwell, Tony Robbins a lot. And understanding that for me, at least business is not just about business. Business is about leadership. If you want to grow a team, it's not about managing. It's about leading. If you want to take clients somewhere, it's not about managing them. It's about leading them and influencing and, and bringing them somewhere. Understanding the, the mindset and lifestyle of leadership would be the second one. I would have taken it a little deeper in my 20s. Like I always sit, stayed on the rah-rah motivational side and I, for a while, didn't go into the deep work of like, my energy and my emotions and my past stories. So I would have definitely taken that deeper, but I would have repeated personal growth in that area as well. Yeah. And, and then number three, learning how to create balance and fulfillment and how you manage time, how you manage time and money, right? Because if you have the time and then you have the money, you can create freedom for yourself to go travel if you want to. And so that was a skill that I felt very grateful to learn from some mentors in my early 20s. I thought I knew how to manage time. It didn't mean I knew how to create fulfillment and harmony and balance between all the important areas of my life. And so I definitely would make sure to have that as a foundational piece as well. Yeah, it makes such a difference if you know how to do that. I love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So last question before we wrap up. What does efficiency mean to you? Hmm. Max production with the least amount of effort or time. I that's, love that's it. That's what comes to mind when I hear efficiency. Yeah, awesome. Michael, please tell everyone where they can find you and your programs, what you have to offer. Well, if you're ever in Austin, Texas, that's where I, I physically live. So I'd love to always meet, meet cool people in person. But if you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram, uh, just Mike, and then two underscores, Chu, my last name is C-H-U, or you can find me on Facebook under Michael Chu as well. So. Awesome. And as usual, we will link everything in the show notes below. So if you haven't yet, go subscribe and follow Michael. He's amazing with all of his content and just what you can learn from him. So don't miss out on that, everyone. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time and for this amazing conversation. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember... Slow down to speed up.